0: everyone welcome to a new episode of lighthearted my name is anna and my name is bracy and we're two average
1: gals chatting about what it means to grow how are you growing this week well i got red roller skates for our (laughs) anniversary and i'm just loving it they are so stinking cute i can't handle it (laughs) it's so fun I have been enjoying being a beginner, which I had roller blades, and I got them at like Habitat or somewhere secondhand, Mm -hmm. and they were too big for my feet. So I had always enjoyed doing that, but it also was harder than it needed to be because they didn't fit. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just really thrilled to have a cute pair of roller skates that fit my feet. Do you also have elbow pads, knee pads, helmet, gloves? I don't currently. Okay. I uh, haven't fallen yet either. It's so knock on wood. Okay. And also, I'm not really interested in like skate park skating, which is where you absolutely have to have uh,
0: mm-hmm. protective
1: gear. I really like jam skating, which is basically like dancing on roller skates. So I'm hoping that unless I'm trying out really tough things, that I won't need them. But we'll see. Okay. I'm, I'm really excited to see videos of you. I also
0: would like you to get an ice cream cone and skate around in your neighborhood.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just really throw it back. Okay. We'll have to have sub do some creative directing or something. Okay. What about you? How are you growing?
0: Um, I would say in a couple ways, actually, this week. One is that I started reading Highly Sensitive Person, which... Is going to be very relevant. (laughs) Maybe the uh, most relevant. Yeah, in a few minutes. Um, So that's been really interesting so far. And the other way is that in our apartment, we don't have a lot of storage space or closet space. And initially when we moved in here, it wasn't a big deal. And I was like, oh, this is great because it'll keep us from having... Things that we don't really need or whatever. We're just going to have to be choosy about the things that we want to own and keep in storage and all that stuff. So I thought it was going to be a good thing. It has since become the most frustrating part of my daily life because it just – our closet doesn't function well and it just brings me so much frustration like on the daily. So on – Friday after work, I went to Target and bought a few different types of like storage organization and just redid our closet. And it was such an undertaking, and it took way longer than I imagined that it was going to take, like most projects do. But our closet looks so much better. It's so much more organized. It's way more functional, and I'm so thrilled about it.
1: So That's so fun. I love organizing, but I have to be in the mood to do it well. Yeah.
0: And it always takes like twice as long as you think. You're like, oh, I could probably do this in a couple hours. And then two hours later, everything is on the bed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I do find just so much satisfaction at the end that I never mind that it takes more time than it needs to. Yeah. So I spent a lot of my Friday night
0: just doing closet organization. And I am probably like a better organizer alone. Same. And Taylor was trying to be so helpful. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So helpful.
0: Which is really sweet. And then I think finally he was like, if I'm just, like, getting in your way and I'm making this harder for you, you can just tell me. And I promise my feelings won't be hurt. (laughs) Did you tell him? I was like, well, I was like, maybe I can just give you, like, a couple things to do that would be helpful. And he was like, okay, that's fine. But, yeah, so really thrilled about the growth of my closet.
1: That's amazing. I love it. All
0: right. Well, speaking of – Highly sensitive people, that's what we're talking about today. And I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of nervous. Why are you nervous? I think that I might be highly sensitive or I might be in the one step down from from the highly sensitive. But And I remember actually talking about this in our first ever podcast, I think. I think it's in our first episode that it was like, what do you want people to know about you? And I said that I'm sensitive and it was something that I was like, it was new to me. I was like kind of coming to terms with it. And my therapist that I had for a long time in North Carolina, she told me that I was sensitive. She said it in a very nonchalant way. And I was like so taken aback and a little bit offended, even though I obviously she didn't mean it that way, but I hadn't really realized until that point that I was equating being sensitive with like being weak.
1: I think that's pretty common.
0: Yeah. Um, So then when she was like, yeah, I would absolutely describe you as sensitive. Like one of your like top traits is being sensitive. And I was like, are you serious? And she was like, (laughs) you yes. And also it's not a bad thing. Um, And that was the first time that I have learned about highly sensitive people. I didn't know that
1: that was like in our population, but it is. Yeah, and I'm glad you said the thing about being maybe a step down from a highly sensitive person because I do think it's a sliding scale. It's not like you're either highly sensitive or you're not. It's like Mm -hmm. you're – it's a scale of empathy, how much empathy you feel for others, and it's interesting. Okay, well, before we go further, really quickly, if you've never heard
0: the term highly sensitive person, that is a term for people who have like an increased – or a deeper central nervous system sensitivity to physical, emotional, or social stimuli. Thank you, Google. Yeah. Do you want to tell us what's the difference between being a highly sensitive person and an empath?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, we're obviously not experts in this. But (laughs) Just just a disclaimer
0: for all of episodes. Every episode. We're not experts
1: in anything. (laughs) We're just talking about things that are interesting to us. We are not experts in any field. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I think that it's a sliding scale between, I guess you would maybe call it a narcissist, like somebody who has no empathy, okay. and being an empath. So I would say that all empaths are highly sensitive, but not all highly sensitive people are empaths. I think the real difference is a highly sensitive person is attuned to their environment, and especially to like whether other people are having feelings. I think- mm-hmm. You can kind of tell when somebody is having a negative reaction. I think highly sensitive people are able to tell those moods of other people really easily. But I think Mm -hmm. empaths feel the emotions of others. Yeah. They really take it on for themselves. Right. So it would be the difference in knowing somebody's in a bad mood and then somebody feeling that somebody else is in a bad mood.
0: Yeah. Do you think also that person like adopting that bad mood, like it's
1: impacting their mood? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I think it's interesting because I know that there are situations where just about anybody can like walk into a room and if that room feels like, ooh, something bad just happened in here. Like Mm -hmm. most people, I think, can pick that up. But I think empaths are just so highly attuned to other people's feelings that as soon as somebody else is feeling something, they're feeling it too. Mm -hmm. And it
0: just like impacts them on a different level. Mm -hmm. And this is not to say that people who are less sensitive – are bad or doing something wrong. Like it's actually extremely valuable to have people in your life who are less sensitive than you might be or in any given situation, people who are not as impacted by what's happening.
1: That's also a skill. Absolutely. I mean, I would venture to say that a lot of my life I've been too sensitive and that's been a negative thing for me. Hmm. Okay. So I know you pulled The Highly Sensitive Person quiz, which is in the book that you're reading as well, I think. Yes. Do you want to go through it?
0: Let's do it. And we will put this in the podcast notes for anybody that feels compelled to take this quiz and see where they fall. All right. So you're answering true or false to all of these questions, which I think can be hard because some of it, it might be like, oh, well, this isn't always true or it's not always false, but you just have to pick. What is most true or most false? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first one is I am easily overwhelmed by strong sensory input.
1: For me, I would say that's true. I do not like concerts or like loud noises, things like that.
0: Okay, I would say no for me. I don't think I am super impacted by like noise and lights and that type of thing.
1: Okay. All right, the next one is I seem to be aware of subtleties in my environment. Yes, I think that's true for me. I think it's
0: really easy for me to pick up on little things that are happening in any environment I'm in.
1: Yeah, same for me.
0: All right, this next one
1: is a (laughs) no-brainer. Other people's moods affect me. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I actually think this is interesting because the closer the person is to me, the more it affects me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think this is the area in my life where... I find myself being the most codependent. I just internalize people's moods so much. And so if other people I'm around, I can tell are not happy. I internalize that and I can't be in a good mood if other people are in a good mood.
1: I actually think that's probably the most important thing about knowing whether you're more sensitive than other people or not is like actually learning to manage it is very important because Mm -hmm. if you don't, then you do end up really codependent on other people and their moods and their whims. And it's not cool.
0: Yeah. This would be definitely an area of growth for me. One of these days.
1: I feel like you've made strides in that area.
0: Yeah. I probably have for sure from kind of where I started in understanding that like that was a part of me. But yeah, it's definitely something that I have to work on.
1: I think open communication, especially in romantic relationships, is important here too, because I know that sometimes if Seb is in a bad mood, I can just ask him if I did something wrong. And then he's like, no. I'm like, okay, I just need to hear it.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, that's true. I definitely can be impacted by Taylor's mood. But it's interesting because what I've noticed is that if Taylor's in a bad mood, And then I like adopt his bad mood because he's in a bad mood. Mm -hmm. He gets out of it so fast.
1: Hmm.
0: He will switch into like being in a good mood all of a sudden. And I, and it's weird. I don't know. We've talked about it a little bit. It's just like an observation I've made and I don't know what the like rhyme or reason is behind it, but.
1: Do you take on his good mood or do you keep in the bad mood?
0: I think it takes me longer to get out of the bad mood than it does for him.
1: I think that getting out of bad moods is a muscle. Like, it's a muscle that you can work. Mm. I used to just stew in my bad (laughs) moods. So broody. Yeah. Um, But now I'm able to pull myself out of them faster, I think. Yeah. Okay. The next one is I tend to be very sensitive to pain. Absolutely not. Are we thinking this is physical pain? I, that's how I'm reading it. Yes. Okay. Then I would say probably not either. And
0: fun fact about redheads.
1: Are you going to say well, that you have a higher pain, pain tolerance?
0: Yes. Cause I do.
1: <laughs> I don't know that that's true of 7 I'm not sure.
0: Oh my gosh. Maybe seven. I should do, there's this challenge you can do where you put your hand in like a bucket of ice water and see how long you can leave it in there.
1: Yeah. We should do it with All four of us, though, because then Taylor and I can be like a control group against the Redheads. Okay, that sounds good. And I feel like
0: you are not competitive, so that wouldn't play into you keeping it in there longer. I can absolutely be competitive. I would
1: definitely try to go
0: as long as I could. Okay, you would do that, but I feel like you're not like a crazy competitive person that would be like, I don't care, my hand can fall off, I'm
1: not going to lose. That's true, that's true.
0: We're going to start the new ice bucket challenge, and it's going to be all about redheads and pain tolerance. Great. It's going to be viral. Um, Okay. I find myself needing to withdraw during busy days into bed or into a darkened room or any place where I can have some privacy and relief from stimulation.
1: I cannot overstate how true this is for me. (laughs) Like, sitting in my bed is my favorite place probably in the whole world. Aw. It's the best.
0: That's sweet. This one, I don't know because, okay, when I read this, I'm like during a busy day. I'm like, well, if I am having a busy day, I can't go lay in the bed.
1: Okay. Well, that's a limiting belief. Arguably, the busy days are the days you need more rest.
0: But have I already accomplished all my things that I needed to get done and then I go to the bed? Or is am I avoiding all my busy activities and just getting in the bed?
1: avoiding your busy activities. Interesting language there. You could be taking a break so that you're recharged to tackle more of the things on your list. But I think it depends.
0: Yeah. I think I'm just going to have to say no to this one. I'm not connecting to it. I'm like, I don't know that I would do that. If it was like at the end of a busy day, I needed to be by
1: myself. Yes. But I feel like that's not what it's saying. I mean, I think it's saying Do you need to withdraw to fill your bucket back up? Mm,
0: Wow. So complicated. I'm just, I'm going to leave it as no, but I'll put it on my, like, this was kind of a maybe list. Okay.
1: I am particularly sensitive to the effects of caffeine. No. I actually don't really know the answer to this because I don't drink coffee because I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And... But you will have one Coke every once in a while. Yeah, I love Cokes. And I also drink English breakfast tea. And occasionally if I haven't eaten, that will make me jittery. But I also know that it doesn't have as much caffeine as coffee. So I don't know.
0: Okay. Also, I don't want to make this a Redhead podcast episode. However, (laughs) (laughs) I think me not being sensitive to caffeine could also be a Redhead thing because... I'm also not sensitive to, like, medications and whatnot. Like, I mm. often need more medication. I need more – what's the good stuff?
1: Anesthesia that we're talking about? Yes.
0: I need more anesthesia, too, and, like, more numbing things than, like, the, an average person.
1: Yeah. That could be similar.
0: I am easily overwhelmed by things like bright lights, strong smells, coarse fabrics, or sirens close by.
1: Yep. This is true for me. We were eating outside the other day, and a fire truck came by, and I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible.
0: Interesting. Okay. That is making me think about last week at work, we had to do a fire drill, and this one kiddo who definitely has sensory input struggles, and we tried to get him to just go ahead and go outside before it went off,
1: Mm -hmm. because
0: he had never experienced one this year and I was like, I know this is going to be a nightmare for him, but he really wanted to be like with his class and whatever. And as soon as that fire alarm went off, he just started screaming and crying and hid under the table. Mm. And I was like, bud, we got to go outside. And he was like, I can't move. I was like, okay, but it's not going to get any
1: quieter. We just have to go outside. And he just like got up and like ran outside, but he sounds very sensitive. Yeah,
0: he is. Yeah, I don't think this stuff impacts me. Not not overwhelmingly, at least.
1: I'm also really particular about my lighting in the house. Like mm-hmm. I don't like it when it's too bright, but I also hate it when it's too dark, so lamps <laughs> all day. Okay. All right. I have a rich complex inner life. I think yes. I, I wonder if anybody too, would say no. I know. Like it's your head just quiet when you're by yourself. Is that how is that real? Is that a That's thing? That's not a thing. No. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Um, also, today, whenever I told Taylor that we were recording about highly sensitive people, he was like, Is that even a real thing? And I was like, I'm going to say that in the podcast. And he was like, No, no, no. Tell him I was joking. I was just, a, it was just a joke. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I was like, That's the attitude, though, about highly sensitive people
1: is they're like, Is that even real? Making Aren't you just up. a sissy? I mean, some people would consider me sissy, but I'm yeah. not sorry about it. It's just <laughs> how I am. Yeah. Also, I do think there is something to be said about not over identifying with things like this. Like mm-hmm. I'm sensitive, but like I don't feel any certain way about that. Like it's not good or bad or whatever. It's just the way I am.
0: Yeah. It's nice to
1: know because you're able to look at your life through a lens that is meaningful to you. Yeah. And sometimes you can connect with other people on on things like that. Especially if you're unaware, like if you need a name for something to be able to kind of process it, that can be helpful. Yeah, for sure. I'm made uncomfortable by loud noises. Yes. I feel like this is the third one we've talked about, loud noises, and the answer is always yes.
0: Yeah, this is really interesting. I mean, I feel like the only difference between this one and the other one is the other one was like, I'm overwhelmed by it, and this one is like, I'm uncomfortable. When there is a fire drill, I am very uncomfortable because – it's so, so loud. But I'm like, I don't know if that means I should check it.
1: Do you do okay with loud music?
0: It depends on where I'm at. Like, if I'm in a club, absolutely. Yeah. And I wouldn't, like, avoid going somewhere because there was loud music. And
1: I'm the person that asks to be seated as far away from the loud musician at a restaurant as possible.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm going to say no, then, for me.
1: I just don't like to feel like I'm yelling while I'm talking to somebody. Yeah. Oh my God. You could never hang out with Goggy. Oh my grandma. You have to yell at her or she cannot hear anything you say. Yeah. Well that's another thing. I'm very soft spoken and some people can't hear me. And like I have one Mm -hmm. neighbor who always is like trying to get closer to hear me and I'm like, I feel like I'm yelling at you.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm the same way though. I think I'm also pretty soft spoken and people will say they can't hear me. And and when I am probably talking in like a normal volume voice, in my mind, I'm screaming at this person and it's so uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. It's the worst. All right. I am deeply moved by the arts or music. Do you ever cry listening to a song? If I am sad about something else, yes.
0: If I'm not, then no. I feel like I'm going to say no on this one. Okay. I would probably say yes. (laughs) my little sensitive Bracey.
1: I am who I am.
0: (laughs) I am who I am. (laughs) Okay. My nervous system sometimes feels so frazzled that I just have to go off by myself.
1: Yes. I would say that this doesn't happen to me very often, but the minute that somebody starts arguing or fighting in front of me, I have to leave the room. I can't do it. Mm. Okay. I would say that My nervous system does
0: get frazzled, and I feel my feelings in my body so much, but I don't know if it's to the point that I'm like, I have to be alone. I think I would be more uncomfortable leaving a room and letting other people think that they were making me uncomfortable, even if they were. Like, I think that would win out
1: over my own needs. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the nervous system thing, being frazzled is pretty common, but having to leave is not always. I am conscientious. Yes. Yes. That was simple. Love that. Um, I startle easily. Yes. I don't know. I'm going to go with no on this one. I startle sometimes, but not like all the time. Okay. Yeah. This is
0: something that I just noticed about myself in the last few years that I get startled by things all the time that I'm like, why did that startle me? Like I'm in a room full of people and somebody will come up to me in the room, but if I don't see them walking up to me and they like tap my shoulder, I jump. And it's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's
1: weird. I get rattled when I have a lot to do in a short amount of time. Yes, probably. I'm going to say no on this one. I thrive under pressure. I might be a little anxious, but I feel like I'm fine. Yeah, I don't know. This one's hard because I feel like I can still probably like
0: focus and get things done, but I'm going to be like highly stressed the entire time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, and I would be a little bit stressed just because it is, you know, a short amount of time and a lot to do, but I don't think I would be like overly stressed.
0: Okay. When people are uncomfortable in a physical environment, I tend to know what needs to be done to make it more comfortable, like changing the lighting or the seating. I would say yes.
1: yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I feel like both of us for sure can do this and honestly, like kind of enjoy it.
1: Yeah. I always um, raise the temperature in our house before people come over because we keep it really cold and I know that it's too cold for Mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm annoyed when people try to get me to do too many things at once. This is interesting because I feel like this is a boundaries question. <sighs> right. And I don't know that annoyed is the right thing. It's just like... I get annoyed when people try to get me to do things immediately, like on their timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's a good distinction.
1: I think this is a weird question, but I'm going to say no.
0: Okay. I'm going to do the same. Because I don't think it's annoyed. It's more like frazzled.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you have... The ability to set a boundary and be like, I'm not available to do this many things at one time, then it's not a big deal.
0: Right. Okay. I try hard to avoid making mistakes or forgetting things. Yes. Yes. Does that, do other people not do that? I know. I'm like, I'm confused, but this first part of this, the avoid making mistakes, I think this is part of why it's really difficult for me to apologize because I spend so much time and energy trying to make sure that like I'm not
1: doing things wrong.
0: Doing things wrong. And so then if somebody is upset with me because I did something wrong, it's I don't know what like the a word personal is. Slight. Yeah. It I take it so
1: personally that I'm like, Oh well, you're telling me I'm a failure. I think this is an Enneagram one thing. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I think, I think Enneagram right. ones have a harder time apologizing. Because mm-hmm. they try so hard to be perfect that when somebody points out that they made a mistake, it just, it hurts them a lot. Yeah. It's such a pride thing. Mm-hmm. So that is something that
0: I've had to work on in the last several years of, like, being better at apologizing. Even it's though it's like, skill. it's painful for me to do it. Yeah. Even if I know I
1: should, I'm still like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> I make a point to avoid violent movies and TV shows. No. I would say yes. This is the whole thing I have about I like my entertainment to be like light mm-hmm. and not heavy on the feelings. Okay. Yeah. I
0: probably seek out, maybe not violent necessarily, but I love dramas.
1: I It's funny because I feel like when I'm watching or even reading something that's like really heavy, mm-hmm. I pick up those emotions just the same way I would if I – picked up an emotion from somebody that was in a bad mood. I think I do as well. The interesting thing about watching
0: something that is very emotional or reading something that's really emotional. I can let myself cry for other people, but not for yourself Yeah, <laughs> essentially, or it feels like, Oh, like this is fine to cry because this is just like a made up story. Huh? That I, it, It's like a weird boundary I have with myself where like, I'm, I will allow myself to get in touch with my feelings when they are based on a story.
1: Do you think that's healthy?
0: Or, like, definitely
1: not. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're still processing the feelings. So I feel like it's probably better than nothing.
0: Yeah, that's true. I I think it's better than than nothing, but it takes a lot for me to cry in my own, like, personal life. Hmm. But I can do it very easily if I'm, like, watching something that's emotional.
1: Yeah. See, that just means that those. Feelings and the ability to cry, it's there. You just shut it down. Yeah, for sure. That's what my
0: therapist Claire told me. She was like, I think you would cry so much if you would let yourself cry. And
1: I was like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, probably. (laughs) I just won't. (laughs) Sensitivity isn't weakness, Anna. I know, but is it? This one's also really interesting because I know it mentioned violence, but I also – I can't watch like competition shows like – Great British Bake Off or anything like that because the stress, like I take on their stress. I can't watch America's Funniest Home Videos because anybody who gets hurt, I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> that's all those are. And I, uh-huh. I think it's fascinating that people think that's funny. Like I don't think that that's funny. <laughs> it's
0: My sister Martha is just like this. She is like, I can't watch competition shows because she gets too emotionally invested in the people. And it's, like, just too hard for her. Whereas, like, I do also get emotionally invested in the people and I might cry for them, but I can still watch it and I still want to watch it.
1: It's funny because I don't even get far enough in to get emotionally invested. I literally Uh just feel the stress of every single person in the competition and, like, how much that they want to win. And I'm like, I can't. This is overload for me. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I feel
0: that way in sports sometimes, too. Even if – the
1: team that wins is the
0: team that I want to win, but I feel so heartbroken yeah. for the team that loses.
1: Yep, that's real. I also get really embarrassed, like even watching like comedies when mm-hmm. it's like, you know, awkwardness, I get secondhand embarrassment for the characters in the movie. Okay. Have you ever watched the movie Eighth Grade? No, but I've heard that that's so cringy, and I I know I couldn't <laughs> do it.
0: <laughs> it's such a good movie, but yeah, the secondhand embarrassment especially if you're like sensitive to
1: that, is so overwhelming. Yeah, that sounds like the worst, like a nightmare for me.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I become unpleasantly aroused when a lot is going on around
1: me. I think it depends on the situation. Yeah. I think if I'm prepared for a lot to be going on around me, I'm I'm good. I think if for some reason I'm like surprised by it, then no.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say no on this one.
1: I'll probably lean towards no. All right. Being very hungry creates a strong reaction in me, disrupting my concentration or mood. I'm
0: leaning towards yes. Yeah, I'm going to say yes.
1: I think I'm actually going to say no to this one because I don't think it creates a strong reaction in me. I just think that I love food enough that I don't ever want to like miss a meal or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I feel like there are
0: situations in my life or
1: experiences that I
0: can remember about being in like a very foul mood because because I was really hungry and the urgency to get food in the people around me was like way lower than where I was at. And it was like really
1: affecting me. Mm. Uh, I mean, this question is basically, do you get hangry?
0: Right. And I'm like, um, yeah, sometimes
1: every once in a while I will, but not usually.
0: Okay. All right. Changes in my life. Shake me up. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) I hate change. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. Intellectually, I don't mind change. I think on a nervous system level, I don't handle change well.
0: Yeah. Same. I think it takes a long time for my brain and my body to adjust to making a transition, even if it's like a small one. But at the same time, like I've really perfected the art of pretending to be very flexible. And so I can hide that shakeup from
1: people for sure. Yep. People-pleasing.
0: Yeah. And there's a part of me that's very flexible because... I just want other people to be happy. And so it's easier to let other people choose. I think we've talked about this before.
1: Yeah. In another I, episode. I think this is interesting because I also do that sometimes. I like, I have opinions and I let them go because in my brain, having opinions is like controlling and mm-hmm. can be really mm-hmm. unhealthy for other people. Mm-hmm. I think it's a balance.
0: Yeah. And maybe we're thinking about this sentence like too microscopically.
1: Probably. As <laughs> As we do with everything else.
0: Yeah. And it's just
1: like we have rich inner
0: lives. So I don't know. It's just how it happens. hmm
1: I notice and enjoy delicate or fine sense, tastes, sounds, works of art. This is another
0: one where I'm like, would people say no to this?
1: I don't know. I mean, almost every morning right now I wake up and I'm like, wow, the birds are chirping. This is so nice. <laughs> okay i don't feel that way
0: so maybe it's a no for me
1: <laughs> i mean maybe you have a different version of that yeah
0: yeah i don't know some of these are hard to answer like i love candles i love having candles lit does that count as enjoying a delicate fine scent? Mm.
1: i mean would you walk into a space and be like wow it smells really good in here
0: yes yeah then maybe it's a yes sure what the heck i'll say yes
1: All right. I find it unpleasant to have a lot going on at once. I would say this is true for me. It didn't used to be true, but it is now.
0: Um, I feel like it is unpleasant, but I also find it unpleasant to not have anything going on. If it's for like multiple days in a row. Oh
1: my gosh. I I would never think about (laughs) the fact that I don't have anything going on. I'd be like, great. My calendar's clear. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I, That is
0: something that I used to think I always wanted, but then when I do have multiple days of downtime, I'm like, I wish I was doing something. Interesting.
1: Yeah. I have a uh, four-weekend span this summer that I'm already booked every single weekend, and I'm Mm. not looking forward to it. Yeah. I make it a high priority to arrange my life to avoid upsetting or overwhelming situations. Absolutely. Really? A high priority? Well – I read this as like conflict
0: avoidance as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, this probably drove me too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, oh, yeah. Upsetting situations is like any type of conflict. And I do my best to avoid that.
1: I would say that my avoidance is never like very conscious, though. Like, I feel like my avoidance of, of conflict is so subconscious that I don't even think about it. Which is why I was just waffling over the high priority language. Yeah. But it's probably true. Yeah. I would say that's true of you. All right. We only have three more. I am bothered by intense stimuli like loud noises or chaotic scenes. They are like really harping on this
0: type of question in here. Yeah. With like very small changes in the language. Yep. I think I'm still going to say no. I'm still going to say yes. <laughs> Okay. When I must compete or be observed while performing a task, I become so nervous or shaky that I do much worse than I would otherwise.
1: Absolutely, that's called stage fright, and I have it.
0: Yeah i I am leaning towards yes on this one. I think if I'm competing in something that's like a routine, like I'm thinking about, like in high school, like playing sports, I would always get extremely, extremely nervous before and, like, stay pretty nervous during, but I don't know that it always impacted my performance. I think, though, if it is a situation where I have to, like, talk in
1: front of people, I absolutely do worse. Okay. All right. When I was a child, my parents or teachers seemed to see me as sensitive or shy. Check yes.
0: Yeah, I think people definitely thought I was shy.
1: All right. Should we run our results
0: now? Let's just click to see our total. All right. So it says that if you answered more than 14 of the questions as true of yourself, you are probably highly sensitive. All right. Should we drum roll? Okay. My total is 14.
1: My total is 19. (laughs) Okay. Well, you're definitely a highly sensitive person. (laughs) I wonder, and that was out of what, 27? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would definitely say that I'm highly sensitive and probably an empath. So you scored 14. Do you think that you are a highly sensitive person or would you say no? I would say that I'm like on the edge. I think I'm a highly
0: sensitive person in every area of this quiz, except for being sensitive to like sounds and like sensory stimuli. I don't Mm -hmm. think impacts me that much, but as far as being sensitive to like subtleties in the environment and to people's feelings and the mood and how comfortable people are, like those things are, absolutely part of me. And I'll say that when I was reading the book, it does say that, you know, even if you don't score a high enough thing to qualify as a highly sensitive person or whatever, even if you just had a couple of things on there, but they feel so intensely true to you, like you still could maybe be a highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. So it's not, Like, oh, if you scored less than 14, you're sorry, you're not highly sensitive. Um,
1: The other thing I think that they didn't really outright ask about, but that I think is important in this conversation is like, how often is your nervous system just in knots? Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's a lot of situations that throw me off and my nervous system is automatically like, it just feels like it's squeezed, like shut down, squeezed tight. Mm -hmm. I think another interesting layer of this conversation is conditioning because I wonder what your sensitivities would be like if you weren't conditioned into being a people pleaser Mm. or if you weren't conditioned into thinking that crying is a weakness or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think those things play a role as well. And also thinking about how this layers into the human design conversation because – I know you and I have discussed the fact that you have a defined solar plexus, which is the emotional center, Mm -hmm. but that your conditioning has made it such that you sometimes can overly identify with other people's emotions, whereas whereas that wouldn't be a natural response for your defined solar plexus. And I have an open solar plexus, which means that I pretty much absorb other people's feelings, which is spot on. Mm -hmm. And then so... The solar plexus in human design is, can, I think, play a role in this. But there's also the fact that in my design, I have seven open centers of the nine. And that just means that there's a lot of inputs, for lack of a better word. And I wonder how much that impacts people's designs as well. Yeah, I think
0: it's important for sure to think about the conditioning pieces of all of this because, yeah, there's totally ramifications of our conditioning that have changed the way that we operate in the world versus maybe how we would have if we weren't conditioned in certain ways.
1: Yeah. It, maybe it could be a good exercise, too, to think back on when you were a kid and you had less of that conditioning. Mm-hmm. Like, were you a sensitive child? Yeah.
0: Well, and in the book, it talks about how there's typically about 15 to 20% of the population that are born as highly sensitive people. Um, and that the same amount of males and females are HSPs. Mm. However,
1: we males- know that society beats it out <laughs> yeah. of them. So.
0: Exactly. So males are not supposed to be sensitive. Um, and so, and women are, and so that um, the conditioning of that impacts people. And I think in, a, in such a negative way because it makes them feel like they have this flaw in them that they need to fix.
1: And at the end of the day, it's not allowing them to be themselves. Like if they're naturally sensitive then, and they feel like they can't be, then they're not able to be themselves. Yeah, definitely. The other thing is I've been thinking about how my sensitivities sort of intersect with my social anxiety. I'm sure that they're at least loosely tied. Like Mm -hmm. I know that I'm, Highly uncomfortable in certain situations certain social situations, but I don't know how much of that social anxiety is because of my sensitivities or vice versa I'm not sure how that works, yeah, I feel like there's so much of this that all play off of
0: each other, mm-hmm. like sensitivities being introverted or extroverted, being an empath, being um, being conditioned, like having anxiety like it's so it's hard to untangle them because they do feel so connected. It's like a ball of yarn.
1: Yep. And I know you pulled some tips from the book and I know you might have some experience with nervous system regulation in your work. So do you want to talk us through that?
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. So as I was reading the book, um, I wrote down a couple of the tips that they mentioned. The first one, just being self-knowledge for HSPs or highly sensitive people that it's just really important to know like what that means to be an HSP and how it interacts with your other personality traits. And most importantly, like how our society has negatively impacted you because of your sensitivities um, and our kind of society's disdain or whatever for being a sensitive person. Mm -hmm. And so step one is just kind of being aware and making yourself more knowledgeable about that. And then following that up with some reframing. So thinking back on your life and looking through like an HSP lens, I think can provide some like corrective experiences almost if you are able to like look at situations or things that maybe memories that really impacted you or felt really life-changing that maybe now looking at them with a different perspective would like heal those wounds. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the last one that she had mentioned in the book, at least from where I was, um, was learning the skill of avoiding overdoing it and underdoing it and being okay with that, which I feel like is maybe just a great skill for people in general. Agreed. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend reading this book if you think that you might be a highly sensitive person or if you know somebody are in a relationship with them, they're your friend, family member, coworker. Or if you're just super interested in this, like, chances are you're probably going to have some, at least one person in your life who either is a highly sensitive person or is an extremely sensitive person. So, like, one step down from that. And the book is called Highly Sensitive Person. It's by Elaine Aaron, I think is how you say her last name. But then there's also Highly Sensitive Person in Love, The Highly Sensitive Child, The Highly Sensitive Parent as well. Um, Which actually, Bracey, the... I know that you're not a mom yet, but I feel like that would be an interesting book for you.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. I also think that it's so great that we're thinking about these uh, things in relation to kids these days because I think an informed parent is going to be a good parent. It's nice for us to be able to look at a kid and be like, you're sensitive and that's not bad and let me figure out how to parent that.
0: Yeah, totally. I haven't done it yet, but... At one of my schools, there is a psychologist. Her name is Dr. Becky Kennedy. She has an Instagram called Dr. Becky at Good Inside. She used to be Dr. Becky at Home, but I think she just started a podcast called Good Inside. And so she must have just changed her handle. So you may be already aware of her, but she's awesome. And she talks a lot about deeply feeling people and deeply feeling children,
1: Mm.
0: which I feel like is probably parallel with being sensitive. Yeah. And so that's a great account to follow. But yeah, one of my schools there, she has courses that you can buy. Um, and she has some that are free on her website as well. But there's one that's specifically for teachers. Um, and so some co-workers and I are going to get it and, and watch it later this year when
1: things slow down a little bit. So I am excited fun. about that. Yeah. yeah. One thing that I will say that has helped me a lot in the sensitivity department is the timeline therapy that I've done with my coach slash therapist person, mm-hmm. Debbie. She, I think it's an NLP technique, but the timeline therapy has really helped me release, you know, when your body just like stores up all of those like triggering events and emotions. It's kind of helped me release some of that so that. When I have a a new experience like that, it doesn't automatically trigger my nervous system into a reaction, aka I don't cry at the drop of a hat anymore, which is great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with those types of therapies, it's great because
1: oftentimes the reactions that we're having
0: to an event are not about that event. Yep. They're about events that have occurred in the past that you haven't fully dealt with or let go of or whatever.
1: Yeah. Or those events have just been building up over the course of your life and you've never dealt with any of them. And so it's just like a a outrageous reaction to something that shouldn't be as big of a deal.
0: Yeah, totally. It's a mismatch of uh, a response. Mm -hmm. If you have any stories about being a highly sensitive person or stories about somebody in your life you think might be highly sensitive, we would love to hear about them. You can email us at likeheartedpodcast at gmail.com. Or
1: follow us on Instagram at lighthearted Pod. Talk to you next week. Bye!